Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. The Tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? What is up? It's your host, Ellie Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. On this week's show, a fantastic conversation. Tegan and Sarah chop it up with one of their, my, and our producer Mark's fave newer bands, Dead. When we saw that Sarah was tweeting repeatedly about how much she adored the group, we knew a Talkhouse convo was in order. To help me set up the show, joining from the City of Wind, it's Josh Modell, Executive Editor. What is up, Elia? Hey, hey, man, you guys have fall in Chicago yet? It's cold and chilly. Can I make a quick public service announcement before we move further into this conversation? Please do, good sir. The band's name is Dead. It's spelled D-E-H-D, in case you want to Google it. Yes, and you will want to Google it because these guys are fucking fantastic. Agreed. Josh, a funny thing. I was friendly with Emily from Dead before either of us knew that the other was in the music game. And my old band, Scotland Yard Gospel Choir, has played with Tegan and Sarah. So I knew a lot of the main players in this conversation. And damn, I was so happy to see them come together. It's wonderful. It's peanut butter and chocolate to use a Halloween style metaphor. (laughs) Well, Josh, drop some knowledge about those twins on us, man. Well, as you said, Tegan and Sarah are identical twins. They're from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and they've been making music together since they were teenagers. They've steadily risen to become pretty big stars. I mean, they play huge places. I think uh, one of them mentions in this talk that they've played for 100 people and they've played for 100,000 people, kind of casually dropping that. Pretty awesome. They currently reside in Vancouver, British Columbia. And in case people don't know, they're also queer icons who founded the Tegan and Sarah Foundation, whose mission is to improve the lives of LGBTQ women and girls. Over the years, Tegan and Sarah have collabed with some incredible artists, everyone from Against Me to Mark Mothersbaugh to Cyndi Lauper to Taylor Swift to the Flaming Lips. And we cannot forget, they had a pretty big hit with the song Everything is Awesome from the Lego movie. That track featured The Lonely Island. They have had incredible lives and careers. Which they have documented. Yeah, exactly. They have a a book out a memoir called High School that came out late last year. The paperback version just came out. And the release is paired with an album called Hey, I'm Just Like You, which is songs based on demos the pair wrote way back when they were teenagers. I love that they did that, Josh. They re-recorded some of their early songs that they were a little uh, nervous about going back to, as you'll hear in this conversation. Now, let's take a listen from that album. Check out I'll Be Back Someday. Josh, that may not contain the pop sophistication that later came to define the twins' career, but damn, that's a banging chorus. And some teenagers wrote it. It makes you feel inadequate, doesn't it? (laughs) I love it. It's great. Also no strangers to a banging chorus, Dead. Now, Josh, as you know as a Chicagoan, I'm sure, Dead is a guitar-based drums, jangle-tastic indie rock band out of the shy. The trio's been earning huge critical praise for its new record, Flower of Devotion, that was released just this last summer on Fire Talk Records. That's a band's sophomore album, but it shows a huge step forward. 
Pitchfork even gave it best new music, which is 100% deserved. Dead, again, D-E-H-D, is comprised of bassist vocalist Emily Kempf. What a voice! Guitarist vocalist Jason Bala. One of the sickest indie pop guitarists in the fucking game. And drummer Eric McGrady. A damn fine drummer who didn't want to join the conversation today. <laughs> hey, you got to give him respect. Yeah, it's not his thing. Mad respect. Dead are deeply entrenched in Chicago's indie scene. Emily used to play with La 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 La, who's been featured on the show, and also co-owns the tattoo collective Time Being Tattoo in Chicago's Humboldt Park. Now, loyal listeners of the Talkhouse podcast may have heard Jason on a couple years back when he was a member of the band Knee They cut a great episode in conversation with Spencer Tweedy. I remember it well. Josh, let's take a listen to a track from Flower of Devotion. Like Sarah, my favorite track from the album keeps changing, but I think, I think this is the one I'm obsessed with right now. Let's check out Loner. I'm the That track is awesome. I love it. One of my songs of the year. Love it. I also love this conversation. Josh Teagan and Sarah Quinn, Emily and Jason get into quite a bit here. First out of the gate, pets as babies, as tour mates, and as social media fodder. And we have breaking news on the pet front, which we'll let them deliver. Yeah, we don't want to spoil that here. We also hear about the vicissitudes of intense interband relationships. Obviously, we know Tegan and Sarah are sisters, and we won't spoil too much either, but there was a couple that is now no longer a couple in Dead. Complicated stuff, complicated stuff, but yeah. both bands are brilliantly making it work. I love how Tegan and Sarah talk about the evolution of their tour buses, which eventually gets to Tegan and Sarah having their own bus just to themselves in order, they say, to fight. <laughs> it's not easy to find happiness on the road especially with a family member. But, you know, they figured it out over the years. Josh, we roll the tape, man. Yeah, let's hear it. I'm Sarah. Yeah, I'm, I'm Tegan. What, most days, sometimes I use Sarah's name at Starbucks, but mostly I'm Tegan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jason. I'm Emily. And you guys are the fabulous band Dead. Yes, minus Eric, who... Uh, <laughs> Isn't much for conversations. Man of <laughs> this mystery. Kind of yeah, I was doing I was doing my research this morning before we all connected, and I did read that he is a man of mystery, which is nice. I I like you know. There's a nice balance to this. I mean, he's going to be missed in the conversation, but I kind of like the um, harmony of just you know two two representatives from each band. I feel I feel like I'm the boss of this call because um, just because wow. because I'm the most nervous, and I was here first, so I've just I've laid claim. <laughs> Um, welcome to this interview. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. Thank you so much for asking us to do this. I was so excited. I am a massive fan of the new record. I'm a massive fan of your songwriting and your videos and your performances. And I just, I feel really excited to geek out with you guys. Um, I feel responsible for turning Tegan into a fan. I just, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we discover music <laughs> at the same time, but I like to lord over her and um, and turn her onto bands. And so anyways, I love your guys' record. I listen to it like a psycho, um, like probably 10 times a day. It's just my, it's my everything right now. So thanks for making it. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, this is really fun. Yeah, I really, are you, are you the one with the cool 
equal cats? Yes. Um, on the yes. internet. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the bane of Tegan's existence that um, I don't like <laughs> identify them as my cats often because then she always gets asked a lot of questions about the cats as if we like co-parent the cats. But right. um, which I will say, I don't know if it's the bane of my existence, but I will admit that there's a funny misconception, I think, about twins, especially identical twins of the same gender. I feel like it's, everybody thinks because Sarah and I work together and have this band together that we must like live together. So people come up to me and be like, oh my God, I love your cats. And I'll be like, oh, they're Sarah's. And they'll be like, well, it's the same thing, right? And I'm like, no, guys, we don't live together. We're 40-year-olds. Right. <laughs> we don't do everything together, everything the same. <laughs> no, but her cats are very spectacular. You know, I was actually very into it when you got the cats, Sarah, because it gave us something to put up on social media because it's I true we're so boring now. Did, did I see a new puppy <laughs> yeah she's destroying a pile of sticks right now on the ground oh. I mean Emily your My dog God. is it's it's truly cute and it I also didn't know who was the owner of of the dog went on your social media but I now <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was gonna say I can totally empathize with Tegan because I get asked about the dog also and I'm like you do? I've met the dog like four times <laughs> Uh, it's very cute. Tell me more. I need to know more about, first of all, like there's so many topics to cover during these crazy wild times. But what I really want to start with is just how as a, as a musician and as a touring musician, do you plan on coping with both as an individual and as a band, um, having a pet? Do you travel with the pet? Like what happens? (laughs) My child. Okay. So I was planning a never to get a dog until I stopped touring, which I don't know when that will be. And then quarantine hit and I was like, you know what? Now is the time. If I get a puppy, I can train <laughs> it to be the perfect travel dog. And so mm-hmm. that was my evil plan. And I was like, we're not going to tour until next summer, fall, maybe. So that's plenty of time to make this dog the perfect animal. I mean, I don't know if I really can control. This might be a silly task that I've embarked on, but I'm either going to bring her with us or um, make her the best dog ever. So my friends just want to babysit her when I'm on tour. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have to ask Jason and Eric permission? I think they talked about it, but then it was news to me that we were adding another member to the van. Oh my God. (laughs) Jason was like, Eric and I have been, because Eric loves dogs. Right. And... We were like, yes, dog. Especially the small, cute ones. That's like, I feel like Eric spends most of his like social media time looking at like the small, really cute ones. Yeah. It was a shoe-in. You can't bring a cat really on tour unless you're Taylor Swift. But what is so interesting to me about dog culture, and this is an interesting segue for me because Tegan has recently, I don't know if it's okay that I publicly disclose this, Tegan, but Tegan has just gotten a puppy. She has not publicly (gasps) come out yet as a dog owner, but... You know, you can get a, not, you can get not. a dog without asking people's permission because dog dogs are sort of like the dominant pet in the world where you're just allowed to bring your dog to like the grocery store or people's parties or the band room or whatever. Whereas like with cats, people are like, they're very high maintenance about cats. People really get stressed out. Like people have allergies, this type of thing. So I felt like I had to like process my getting a cat, but Tegan just got a dog. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's really upended our world. As you can imagine, you know, I don't know if this is what motivated you, but I ran into someone on the road. We we did a festival last summer and, and Fantagram played and they had sort of what they were calling the, the band dog. And it was just like this tiny little thing. 
And they were saying how it kind of gave the whole band something to focus on and something to do on days off and, you know, just sort of this thing that reminded you that there's something more important than music and bands and crowds and whatever. Like there's a life that you're taking care of and it really got in my brain. It kind of like dug down in my brain that I I was missing something to care for. Yeah. Yeah. So like but we didn't end up, my partner and I didn't choose a dog that was the size that I could take with me, but I can already feel that sense of, Right, the universe is bigger than me and my band, and I can I can have things and do things that go beyond music, and I don't need to clear it. Not that Sarah actually meant this, but I don't have to clear it with anyone. I can do what I want. Right. I'm an adult. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know? I another reason I got the dog was because I'm 36, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is like whatever. But I'm like, my eggs are running out. I'm never gonna have children. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna get a dog because I was like, holy shit, do I have to choose between my love of touring and music and like having a freaking family? And like, I'm like, I'm going to get a dog, which I think will help with my mothery, whatever this is going on with me vibe so that I can continue touring. (laughs) And it's worked. Like, I'm like, I do not want a human child to deal with unless I have like a village to raise it with. And and if I run out of eggs before that happens, I'm okay because this is so much work. Like, I'm like, tired. It's, it is hard. It's carrying, insane. carrying a dog down, like our dog already, already weighs 12 pounds. She's going to be like Mine's probably 60 12. pounds. Whoa. Oh, really? Oh, we're yeah. like living the same experience. I feel really seen <laughs> and hurt. Everything you're saying, I'm like, yes. But uh, carrying her downstairs to go pee 12 times a day. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I, and parents were so gracious. A lot of our friends have been having kids and they're like, it's just like having a baby. And I'm like, no, because you can't put a baby in a crate. <laughs> well, you can leave it at home for four hours can, with a, but a nanny silly. cam. <laughs> a nanny cam that shoots treats at it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess have. you could, but this is kind um, of a this is kind of a strange transition, but sort of connects to this. <laughs> I would never dare enter into the topic of parenting and and having children and family making because it usually makes me feel really nervous when people ask me that question. Like it feels so personal, especially as a queer woman. Like I've always found like when journalists, it specifically started happening in our, in our late twenties, but people, we Mm -hmm. put out this record called the con. And I remember, you know, we were really explicit. We were like, oh yeah, we wrote this record about like fucking death. And, you know, like just like this existential crisis of being in our late twenties and relationships and like that kind of thing. And people would be like, that's so interesting. Do you think you're going to have kids? And I would just be like, what the (laughs) fuck is everybody asking us? about having children. Like it just seemed like this really strange thing. But when I look back on it now, you know, I think a lot of the journalists and the people we were talking to were a little bit older than us. And we're probably starting to go through those kind of big life transitions themselves. And now that I'm 40 and um, my eggs are like gone, like, you know, like they started crying like 10 years ago and now they're just, it's just like the slow death every month. I just am like, I can hear them screaming out like, if you have any interest in having a child, (laughs) try now. (laughs) Never mind, you know, (laughs) but so, but I was going to say, um, I didn't know anything about you guys as individuals. Like when I heard your album, 
I'm sort of like old school in that, like, I just love like immersing myself in music and songs. And I, I often find actually the mystery of a band in those early moments of discovery are um, so important and remind me of growing up in the, in the nineties. And, you know, you didn't have access to all the information that you can have access to now about musicians. You had to be patient and you had to be sort of curious and exploratory and wait for like spin magazine to like do an article on them, you know, or whatever it is. And so I often sort of take that approach when I discover a band and I didn't really know that much about you guys. And I just projected, assumed, implanted a queer identity on your band. And I think that's just also partly like I'm gay and I'm queer. So when I hear a band and I know nothing about them, I make them gay in my mind so that I can like them more. Like I just like probably the way straight people just assume everyone is straight. But um, but like I just was like, oh, this band, like this is like such a compliment, at least in my world. But I'm like, oh, this band is so queer. Like it feels so good. Like I love what this band is about. But then when I was researching you this morning, I, my dreams were just, my world was rocked. I Sorry mean, you to disappoint are, you. You're straight people, or at least you've been, you like have, um, you know, uh, uh, you've had a relationship. The two of you had a, a romantic relationship with each other. Yeah. So my dream of like <laughs> identifying you as a queer band um, were dashed. So um, I'm sorry about that. Um, but when you are now still in a band talking about family making and filling this void with an animal and all this stuff, do you guys take that shit personally with each other? Like I don't take it personally when Tegan talks about wanting to like get a dog and fill this void. Like, cause it's like, just not, you know, I get it. I really do get it. But I'm curious about where you guys are at in your relationship now as non dating people. I don't know. That was like so far beyond. It's kind of like, it's totally like, oh, you're getting a dog. That's cool. <laughs> like, I'll see it sometimes. <laughs> but like, you didn't think to yourself, like when you guys were in a relationship, well, Emily, you were just talking about this idea of like, sometimes there's still this question of like, can I tour and have a family? Like, do we have to make sacrifices as people who spend our life on the road? Like as much as people will say, have yeah. a kid and take it with you. Like that's a fucking nightmare. But so no. like, you guys have this interesting <laughs> intersection of like, you once were in a relationship. Now you're just like creative partners in this amazing band working together, but you're also still asking yourself these big questions about music and family and what you can have and sacrifices. Like, does that stuff come up between the two of you? I don't think so. Cause like we've gotten to the point where like we actually have transcended <laughs> to like genuine friendship. And I would say, I mean, I don't know if this is whack, but Jason's more like a sibling to me now than, than, uh, than <laughs> like an ex-partner. Um, I'm very competitive with him. Yeah, it's more like family vibes, like friend, you know, like the friendship family vibes, your chosen family, like sure. Jason and Eric are definitely that. And it's been funny, like obviously because we're a public band and our relationship has been public, this topic comes up a lot because people are obsessed with like love and then overcoming love, romantic love. Yeah. And it is genuinely hard to go from being in a romantic relationship into a uh, working friendship and a working friendship that is business related. That's also creative. <laughs> but I yeah. think that like our lives are so separate. Like we come together for dead and for music and for whatever reason it's worked. But I, I don't, I always make the joke. I'm like, I wouldn't suggest it to everyone in the world. Like, <laughs> but I don't see it as being in a band with my ex. I don't think he, I don't think you do either, Jason per se, but like it's more like, I mean, obviously we have to think about those things, you know, with like new partners that we have. Um, yeah. And right. just being gentle in interviews and things like that and thinking about people's feelings. But because it's like the product that we're selling musically, 
does have a lot to do with our relationship in the past. It's like, we're going to have to talk about it forever. So we've, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're like chill. <laughs> By the way, I fully get it as someone who my, my closest friends in the world are my ex-girlfriends. Like I, as a queer yeah. woman, I am the, every cliche of a lesbian. Like I am like my <laughs> very best friends in the world are my ex-girlfriends. Those are the most, those are the closest people to me. But maybe that's all bands. Like I, I, I go so far to say that like, I think all bands are, about relationships. I mean, I think the bands that exist longest are the ones that just figured out how to have a, a relationship. It's a whole thing. Like Sarah and I sometimes refer to our, our music and the band as like our children in a way. And so yes. even though we're just siblings <laughs> in a strange way, it's like we have a family and it's our band and the things we make are our kids and we have to stick it out and stick together and find harmony right. and constantly negotiate the terms of that. And like you just brought up, when you bring in new partners, I mean, when I bring in a new partner, you know, my partner and I, we've been together now five years. When she joined my life, it's like date number three. It's like, hi, so by the way, you're about to enter into the most complicated fucking universe on earth. Like <laughs> I'm in a band with my identical twin sister. I've been in that band since I was 15 years old. My family and my managers and everybody were codependent as hell. And <laughs> yeah. It's it's a thing and it's hard, but I think good bands stick it out and figure yeah. it out, you know. Yeah, when it happened like years ago, it was like, wow, we really liked making music together. And like we, we hadn't played in a while and we were like writing a song yesterday. I was like, oh, this is so fun. And I was like, oh yeah, this is like the reason why we like put up with all that bullshit, I guess. For so Like when we were, it was like the transitional period and it was like not easy all the time. But yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. well, like, we'll figure out how to make this work because this thing that we make is really fun and, yeah. and yeah. is rewarding. Yeah, and even if you didn't have that history, you'd have some other relationship you'd be negotiating. That's right. That's, I guess, yeah, I totally. Think. And that's like with Eric. Like Eric just put up with it all and like was it was yeah. able to be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give you guys some time to figure this shit out. Me, but a like a lot of time. Eventually, he's like. <laughs> I'm going to have to draw the line. Luck we never got to the line. But. <laughs> I know. I can't believe we didn't get to the line. <laughs> He's a patient man. But I love their point, Tegan. Like every band has to negotiate the different versions of relationships within the band and outside of the band that are ever changing. And it's like you either mm -hmm. stick or you don't. And we have decided to stick. And yeah, the music is like our children. Like I used to make jokes like, oh, the, we had this divorce and now we're amicable because we have to take care of the kids. And like... Yeah. Which is like yeah. the music and also like a little bit of Eric. Because I'm like, yeah, like we got to be good. Like Eric is, was just there for all of this like drama and tears <laughs> and like just being a peaceful angel. <laughs> like, Have you all ever had to go to like band therapy together? No. Not yet. Or have we you have ever? had some therapeutic long, you know, the, the you know on tour the like cry yeah. talk combos where like there's a boiling point and everyone's like, well, I need my own. Well, this is actually me being like, I need my own hotel room because you're dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. a woman. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever. Um, yeah, I we still do well, want that. <laughs> the, like the beginning of our band up up until like really recently and like this time is like if we could afford a hotel room is like. We have one room and someone sleeps on the floor. And then it was like we traveled in a Prius for like years. And oh so like God. we've just like had no space and all of these Very things. Close. And we just like we got yeah, that that's stuff we all got to the breaking point. Honestly, I've thought about this a lot lately, but the disconnect between the perceived idea of what it's like to be in a band and the lived reality is right. still so 
extreme, like uh, if gas stations. even with Instagram, because we still only show like or with social media, we still only show the really good parts. And it's just <laughs> if people who liked our bands could only understand how truly hard, difficult, sad, traumatizing, suffocating yeah. it can be sometimes. Like I think about like the early part of our career. Well, I'm thinking specifically about around a record we had called So Jealous, which came out in 2004. And my girlfriend would come out on tour and Sarah and I and her girlfriend and my girlfriend, like we were all sharing a hotel room and like we'd be fighting over the bathroom, Sarah and I. And our poor partners just had to watch this like perpetual cycle of adolescent behavior that was just, ugh, like it's just, it's wild that we all make it. It's actually interesting as you were, uh, Jason, as you were talking about the Prius, because I was like, oh God, we spent so many years like in cars and shitty vans and my fantasy, my like like dream, like how I thought everything would go was that eventually we would have a tour bus. And then once we got a tour bus, you know, we were on the tour bus with like our crew and our band and sometimes even the support bands. So then I was like, oh, my fantasy and my daydream is like one day, what if we just had our own bus like for the band? And then it was like, we did. And then at some point I was like, I just want a bus with Tegan so that we can fight in fucking peace. Like, I just am sick. <laughs> like, I just, you know, like, I was like, I was like, never enough. If we could just never have enough. a fucking bus to ourselves. And then we got, we finally got a bus for ourselves. We no. would put, we just got like just me and Tegan on this tour bus. And all I ever fucking hear Tegan talk about is how lonely she is. Just so lonely <laughs> to be alone with you. And I'm like, I want a bus. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. But you Double know, decker think, bus, one level for y'all and the rest for the Listen, um, I, like I, England. I, yes. I yes. I feel like everybody just like your needs on the road are so unique. Like I'm such a lone wolf and I like to be by myself and I would happily just be alone. And of course I connect with people on the road. Like I it's I'm not like a sociopath or like incapable, but I I just I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm truly an extroverted introvert. And I just, when I get to go on the tour bus or in a hotel room alone and not speak to people, I've never felt happier. And Tegan it just, it's the opposite. Like, she's just like, you're so depressing. It's so lonely on here. I wish I could just be back with the band and the crew. I'm like, well, be my guest. I'll have my own fucking bus. <laughs> um, what do you guys, sorry to be like, I feel like this is like maybe like very businessy or something, but like, I'm just really curious about the dynamics of like, you guys have this record right now that I think is just like so phenomenal, um, so strong. I mean it so sincerely. There's like not a bad song on the on the thing. Like who am I? Like as a, I'm not like the judge. I, I like Katy Perry on America's <laughs> Got Talent or whatever show she's on. Yeah, you hit, you hit the Close button enough. and the chair swept around. <laughs> yes. So which show is it? Why can't I think of it? America's Got Talent? No, I don't know. Who cares? Tegan, shut up. No. The Voice? But the Voice. The Voice. Um, I feel like you guys just have this wonderful, wonderful dynamic. The songs are so strong. They're so great. Um, do you guys sit down and talk about like what your goals are? Like what you what you want to accomplish with this record? Or like, are there like this size of venue or this many streams or like, how do you guys think about success in your band during this kind of time? I mean, <laughs> it's like the best it's ever been. So we're like, yeah, this yeah, is great. I, I, like, we don't think about it. Like, like yesterday, someone was like, how do you feel about 7 million streams? And I was like, oh my God, it's at seven. I was like, wow. And it was at one. I was like, I've arrived. I'm good. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, I've holy arrived. shit. I mean, I feel like we've been like this since day one. Like every time something happens, we're like, wow, amazing. And then this is the best. And then like something else happens, <laughs> like an offer for a festival. And we're like, holy cow. Like. 
Team Impala's on the bill. This is crazy. And then it's like, you know, <laughs> getting a manager who's like, the way she talks about money, I'm just like, the amount that you just said, I've never spoken or thought of in my brain. Like, I'm like, 10 grand is a lot. Right. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> That's awesome. So That's we're still like very Hold adjated. on to that joy. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Hold, if you could hold just... on to that joy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I thinking mean, to yeah. myself, I hope my managers don't listen to this because they're going to be like, wow, Tegan and Sarah are such bitches. <laughs> I mean, I hope I get to become a, a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> a long, a long, sturdy career. Like I need my own bus, just like Sarah. <laughs> you know when you hear about people like take if you take MDMA too much, like you your serotonin levels just never go back to normal, and you have to just take more and more. That's like how joy works. I think it's like oh. like in the beginning it was like we were so Dr. stoked <laughs> and happy, and then we just like burned out, and now like anything can happen, and we're like. Ugh. Really? We have to do that festival? Okay, I guess so. Like, you know, like we're, so, we're the worst now. We're the worst. I guess, yeah. yeah. I, I am like that on tour. Like, I fucking hate tour. I love performing. I love being on stage. I hate being in a car. Like, it kills mm-hmm. my spirit and mm-hmm. it dices it up into little pieces and then puts it in a blender and then I have to put it back together and try to be nice <laughs> and I, like, can't handle it. But I try to be like, Emily, be grateful for touring like it's gonna get better and mm-hmm. it's like okay we, now we don't have a Prius we have a 15 passenger van and I'm like okay it's better now I can lay down mm-hmm. and then it's like next we'll have a bus and then I can have my own like room yeah those things do make it better like I'm trying to be funny but like if I'm being honest like I look back fondly at being in the 15 passenger I remember we got this 15 passenger that my manager used to always dorkily say was tricked out and he would be like it's tricked out there's screens like and it had one of those like screens that came down and we could like all watch tv together and you know there was something sort of like bonding and unifying about like that time and when I think about now having a tour bus and you know building out a crew or like having more infrastructure in place it's like there's something about the touring that lacks intimacy that I really miss but it also feels like I, I like not having to sit shoulder to shoulder with like eight men and smell everybody's like burritos <laughs> in the van. You know, like I, I sort of like enjoy it. But um, Jason, do you feel like you like, I mean, I think most of us only tour because we love performing, but do you like touring? Like, do you enjoy all those aspects? I do. Yeah, I love like, I'm like the like the more punishment, the better. Like I love like, <laughs> you know, like sleeping. I'm like, oh, I slept on the floor every day for like a month, like in a different house, like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like a like a really sick badge of honor or something like that. But I'm like, I'm proud of this, and this is fun. But I I don't need much to be like contented by like my experience or something. So it's like, oh, I'm just like traveling around, and here I am. <laughs> like that, that's just enough for me. Jason will lay on the bare ass ground with like his jean jacket as a pillow and be like, okay, and then go to sleep in like three seconds. And I'm like. I need a therapeutic wow. pad with three feather pillows and like a special sleeping bag. And I have a towel down so like the floor doesn't touch my face in any capacity. And there's like, I have earplugs oh my and God. et cetera. That's so amazing. I need more. Yeah. That, I think there has to be that balance too, like of people. We've worked with some like stand up crew and band who will just like, you know, they'll hang from their ankles in a corner if they have to. Like they're just like, uh-huh. I love the road life. You know, like I feel like you can't, like the equilibrium on tour has to be 
it can't be one too many of the same type of person or something. Like if everybody's just like hating tour, it can really like like make a tour just like totally suck. That's why totally. Tegan and I have to be surrounded by people at all times because if it's just the two of us, we will ruin everything. <laughs> like we just will. <laughs> are we're like too high expectation, <laughs> too high functioning or something. So we need some you other have people. Handlers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This show is brought to you by Patreon, who ask, Creators, are you tired of being paid in clicks and likes? Social media and streaming platforms help people find your work, but getting you paid is another story. With Patreon, you can stop rolling the dice of ad revenue and per stream payouts and grow your creative career through the direct support of the people who care the most, your fans. Since Patreon is built for creators, not advertisers, You'll skip the middleman and develop a sustainable income source by offering a recurring membership to your fans. In turn, they'll get access to exclusive community, premium content, and the chance to become active participants in the work they love. The creative system is broken. So if you're a podcaster, video maker, musician, writer, illustrator, a creative person of any kind, sign up on patreon.com now. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and change the way your creativity is valued by building the steady income stream you deserve. So when you guys are talking about everything going so well right now, is it just a complete bummer though that you can't be out touring? Like how are you sort of compensating for like this COVID-19 pandemic not being able to tour shit? I mean, it would be amazing if we could just be playing shows, but I kind of even like, to go off of like what Tegan was saying about getting a pet and you realizing that like <laughs> it puts things into perspective a little bit, you know, that like music isn't like everything in like the entire world. It's like, oh yeah, that, this is like a really needed probably break that I never would have taken otherwise. And then now I'm like, oh, now I know what it's like to like have a home and like a really awesome place, like and just yeah. be somewhere and develop other skills. Like I made a galette today before I came here. What's a galette? It looks it's like kind pizza. of like a flat pie. Oh. You could put anything in it though. I just put tomatoes. Do you guys think about like the sort of like sustainability of touring versus like that sort of like be at home and have have a dog and and make connections and have relationships and you know versus the kind of treadmill that we've all been on? I mean, I know for myself like I don't even think I've slowed down for two decades enough to even realize what a treadmill we were on and then this whole mm-hmm. last 6 7 months one of the sort of reoccurring themes of most of our conversations is just like, it's it's not that I don't want to go back to touring, but I don't want to go back to the way things were. Like, I just feel yeah. like a different person since all of this happened. For sure. I mean, Jason even like brought up like a limit to how much we tour per year. And yeah, hmm. it's exciting to be like, yeah, like I have to be home and grounded. Like I own a tattoo shop here. I have, you know, my whole friend group, friend family group. Like now I have a dog and like. (laughs) It's the dog. (laughs) Now I have a child and (laughs) I just, yeah, it's like, it's nice to be around because I love leaving. (laughs) I love to leave. (laughs) And like, I love being in motion. I've been traveling since I was 17. And like, I I think I thought I would just 
die or crumble if I stopped moving. And I don't know how long quarantine's been going on, I guess, since March, like whatever, however many million months it's been. I've been like, oh, actually, I'm flourishing in stillness and I'm closer <laughs> with myself and I'm better at being in groups and I'm better at being alone and I'm more an adult and I'm more a child. And like, I'm like, woo. All right. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, if we go back to touring, I'm like, I do want to keep some, like you were saying, Sarah, like I want to keep some of this energy and bring it into, you know, the future 2.0. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, d- oh, sorry. Oh no, sorry. I was going to throw to you, Jason. And I was going to be like, so when you hear Emily saying that, I'm like, you're a therapist yeah. now. Like I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, like, there is like the funny side of, uh, you're like, oh, well now I'm like home and I get to see all my friends here. But there was like so many people I was going to see this year on tour that now I, oh, I'm like, oh, I was really looking forward to seeing my friend in Toronto. And now I won't see you again for probably a couple (laughs) of years, but. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've all built these kind of like traveling communities. Like, I mean, most of my significant friendships and relationships they only happened and can be nurtured through the sort of like context of touring. It feels like even, even with technology, the way that it is, I mean, it's just, I, I totally understand what you're talking about, about this sort of like pattern of getting to like continue to develop and cultivate relationships when you're on tour. But do you think that that's realistic for our futures? Like, I mean, thinking about climate crisis and, you know, like airplanes and the cost of things now, like, I mean, do you guys think about the stress of like what what it will be like for artists as things continue to sort of like maybe get more challenging and we won't be able to necessarily think so globally about our tours and those kinds of things? I'm projecting my fears no, on you guys. Well, right we're, we actually decided to do <laughs> like, like, um, no. <laughs> well, we, well, we did, do, we did decide like, to. I hate this interview. <laughs> sorry, Jason. Sorry, Jason. No, it's okay. We, 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 I mean, we've been thinking about it a little bit because we're like this year was the year we're going to start like doing like, I mean, it's like the minimum, but like doing like a carbon offsetting for like our travel uh-huh. miles and everything like that. So like, mm-hmm. I yeah, don't know. we think it's, about global warming a lot. Like we actually yeah. have like a whole section on our website that Jason built. That's like education on all of that mm-hmm. for everyone, but also like touring artists. Like, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, I guess like everyone would say this about the, the thing that they're doing, but it's like, it seems like, oh, like making music and art is like maybe valuable where it's like, <laughs> oh, do we really need like international, you know, like shipping of like produce and, I love you know, how you just, I really love your idealism. I, you're like, fuck food, but yes, we probably should still probably tour. <laughs> indie no, rock? But, yeah, indie well, rock. You can, you can grow it. It's, I mean, a, you can it's grow an important it. export. Like for me, it's not that festivals aren't really fun or that touring isn't really amazing or satisfying. It's just that there are other things that start to really float to the top that become really significant. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's yeah. like for me, it's the idea that everything I put out into the world now, I just want to be special and important. I don't want to just toss it into the digital landfill and and think, well, that's just my job. My job is just put out songs and try to get on Spotify playlists. Like I don't want to do that. And so... I don't know, every day that passes, and maybe this is just getting older, it's that I really want the things we focus on to be significant. And so the first time you go on tour in a van, it's so significant. And then maybe the second time or the 12th time or whatever, but at some point it starts to change and you start to prioritize. Maybe we don't need to play every show we're offered or maybe we don't need to go everywhere that we think we need to. Maybe we just need to make everywhere we go really special and significant and make Mm -hmm. everything we contribute really special and significant. And maybe this ties into the whole climate change and offsetting of carbon and all this other stuff that, that, that they work together, you know, that that it is important and significant to bring music everywhere. It is a global language. It is universal. It is a way to connect us culturally. But in what way can we make it special so that it doesn't feel 
just like, oh, well, this is my job. This is just what I do. I go and I, you know, play shows. Like, how can I, that's, that's how I'm looking at it. It's like, how mm. can everything that I do feel super important and special and maybe not just the grind? Because I, Sarah, I heard you talking about the treadmill. That's where I felt like I got the last couple of years after 21 years of touring and doing nothing else. I just was like, I'm not, I'm not treating this with the respect I should. You yeah. know, I'm standing up mm-hmm. here and I've forgotten how fucking truly special it is to stand in front of an audience, whether it's a hundred people or a hundred thousand people. And we've done both. And sometimes they feel the same. And I needed mm-hmm. time to unpack that and figure out why that is. And is that a bad thing? I don't know if it is. Sometimes playing to a hundred people is all I need, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very surreal listening to such wise words uh, with just a sign that says Tegan's iPhone. <laughs> um, it's a good point, honestly. It's like, well, yeah, I might have to go home and think about that a little bit more. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, too, like being on the grind or like in the blur, the blur life for mm-hmm. so long, you can forget why you got into the blur. Um, I've gone through stages where like... When I turned 30, I was like, oh my God, I, I effed up. Like I didn't go to college. I didn't buy a house. I didn't have a baby. I didn't get married. Like I haven't done anything like the quote unquote normal American ass way. I've just been touring and like doing mm-hmm. DIY punk stuff. And I was like, I had my reckoning of like, what am I doing with my life? And then I had to go through the whole process of like, well, I make art and music because if I don't, I'm suicidal. And like, I've, I'm here to create and this is my passion mm-hmm. and my art and my gift and my skill set. And like, I'm just going to keep doing it regardless of the packaging that it comes in, you know? Um, and then, you know, all this cool stuff started happening where it's like, the packaging looks good. <laughs> and I'm, I, I think to myself, like, am I going to have another one of those reckonings in like, you know, about another decade? Like, I feel like it's just a part of the process of like recalibrating yeah. to like, oh yeah, back to center. Like I'm a human being having a, like a spiritual experience on this planet. I make art and try to be kind and like not harm people and like inspire others. Like, cause people are looking at me as a performer. Like I think about that a lot. Um, especially moving forward. It's like, as a spotlight gets brighter, I'm like, what are we doing? It's not mm-hmm. all, we're really lighthearted and we joke, like it's a lot of jokes and stuff and we're pretty happy people, but I do want to be careful with how I influence, you know, the people looking. Mm. So I, I guess in line with what you were saying, I th- I've been thinking about that a lot with like what's going on in the world currently this year and like how I'm going to go forward with that. Yeah. I also really think that it's okay and it's justifiable to also say I love doing what I'm doing and I want to do it. I don't think we, any of us should feel guilty for wanting to tour to take our art all over the place. But yeah, I do think thinking about it is important. I also think, you know, listening to you talk about that, hearing you talk about your age and, and where you're at in your lives and how long you guys have been at this. The other thing that popped into my head was also just this idea that you can get to certain points or certain things can happen or you can hit certain milestones or pivotal you know, benchmarks that you thought you were going to feel one way about and get there and realize that isn't actually how you feel. Like for us, some of the biggest moments in our career where we started to really see crazy traction and explode a bit at you know radio or sell things, some of those moments were really fun and some were terrible because they came hand in hand with like an awful obligation to go to multiple sta- radio stations a day and to be up at four in the morning to go play a morning show with people who were like, so do you guys get your period at the same time? And you were just <laughs> like, wow, I don't, none of this feels 
like I thought it was going to. Or like the first time we played Glastonbury and our manager was like, holy crap, you guys. And I was like, I don't know. It's one in the afternoon. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I'm going to cross Glastonbury off the list when I'm on the pyramid stage at 9 p.m. and got here by a <laughs> helicopter. And maybe that makes me a, a prick, meme. but <laughs> yeah, or a meme. A bad but, meme waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, but obviously uh, my personality, I'll settle somewhere in the middle, but I don't know. It's funny. Like, I think there's room for all of us to also like, it's okay to sometimes feel disappointment. And it's also okay sometimes to say, Hey, this, this actually makes me feel good. And so I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. And, (laughs) and that's just it. That's it. Or this makes other people feel good. So I'm going to keep doing it. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of like had a realization like a couple years ago or something, kind of re-remembering why I'm like, oh, why did I even just start writing music in the first place? You know, it's just for like the simple like joy of like finding these combination of notes and like a melody that just is out of thin air and like words or whatever and try to, you know. It's magic. It is, yeah. And and I'm wondering if you guys, because I know you guys returned to some of your old music and stuff as well. And if that it was kind of some sort of realizations as well, where you're like, oh yeah, like, and I have a lot of friends who like, yeah, they're just like focused on something else or the next achievement or something like that rather than like at the end of the day it's just like the thing that we do is really simple it's just like writing songs it's like a very personal simple thing you know yeah no it's true and you know it's interesting because I think I tend to be more maybe a little bit more contrarian and it's not that I haven't wanted success it's just that my doing this or making art for so long I thought like success would make me feel like all the sacrifices or the depression or the like all the stuff that was difficult for me, challenging for me, especially on tour, I thought that success would fix it and make it better. Like, it sounds like a bit whiny musician, but it was like, I was like, oh, well, I'm just depressed because I'm in this car and I need space and, I need, and I'm a loner and whatever. And then we would get to the next level or we'd get like, you know, accolades from a person who I really admired or we'd finally not get shitty reviews or we'd get a festival stage that didn't, wasn't the middle of the day, whatever. You know, like I would tell myself like, oh, if we achieve these things, I won't feel depressed anymore. And then I would still feel depressed and I would be like, I don't understand why I'm always so disappointed in the things that are happening in our career. And I think over my own sort of like mental health journey and therapy and all of these things, I figured out (laughs) that I'm just like, I'm sort of a like unhappy person. And there are ways for me to find balance in my life. And I found that the more I untethered myself from like success in my career, like I, I felt better. I was like, I, I am making too much of how many records we sell or how many streams we get or how many, what our point on Pitchfork is or whatever. Like at the end of the day, when the good stuff happens, I still kind of feel bad. So I can't really obsess over the bad stuff and I need to find other ways, other things to sort of invest in to make myself feel better. And it's interesting that you brought up you know, Tegan and I wrote a memoir and a significant part of the sort of like process of of researching those early days in our life and our career were going back to like artifacts, like VHS recordings of ourselves in high school and our early recordings in, you know, our, on cassette tapes and that sort of thing. And I was so, I did not want to look at them or listen to them. And I had written a significant part of my contribution to the memoir before I actually did. And I I felt such self-loathing about what we sounded like and what we looked like when we were teenagers. And specifically because of my shame around being gay and, you know, all the secrets that I was keeping and my drug and alcohol use in high school and all that stuff. 
And I remember I was sitting in the library in Pasadena. I was living in Los Angeles and I was working at the library and I started watching these videos finally. Like I was like, I got to look at this shit. I have to face this down. And I just went like on a watching, listening bender. And I was like crying in the, in the library because I was just like, instead of seeing this person that I was expecting like to be embarrassed by, I saw this like young version of myself who was so joyful and who was so excited by making music. And I was like watching this one performance of me and Tegan at like 17 years old. And Tegan is singing something. She's like playing guitar and singing. And I have this like goofy grin on my face. Like I'm like watching her. And I felt like heartbroken thinking like, I used to think this was magic. I used to think this was a miracle. And I would like sit with Tegan and just couldn't believe what was coming out of her. And then I could do it too. It was like, oh my God, like we could do this amazing thing. And it was just like, it was like 20 years of therapy, 20 years of success or failure or whatever. All of it was erased by just rewatching this moment on film because I just thought like, well, this is it. This is what makes me happy. Like this is the connection I need to feel, whether it's to the music or to Tegan or to myself, but I need to tap back into that. And like, that has to bring me back every time I'm feeling like shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> no, it's really, it's re- it is really joyful and amazing to make stuff. And one of the, like, one of the things that gets me through thinking about like all the changes that have come in the music industry and whatever is that it feels like more than ever before, there are so many more opportunities for bands and artists to make stuff. Like you don't have to be rich. You don't have to go to Juilliard or Berkeley or whatever fucking thing. Like you just need like a shitty recording thing and like you can make stuff like it's not even about being successful just like making stuff is like accessible to people now in a way that it never has generationally been and that that's like so exciting to me mm-hmm. yeah. yeah like I think part of our like kind of uh not like mission or whatever but like yeah we wanted like just like anytime we play shows and people are like oh wow that's like so cool you do that's like you literally can do it you're just like Pick up any old thing and just go yeah. for it. Like it doesn't have to be good. Like that's the exactly why we're able to do this right now. We've all yeah, seen people. We... We've all seen people who are really bad at what they were doing still have lots of fun doing it. Straight and that's, up. Like, yeah. that's a miracle too. <laughs> you mentioned that you guys were at your jam space or rehearsal space. Are you guys getting together and performing together a lot right now? Um, we're doing it. We're having a record release show tomorrow. Actually, so we're like, <gasps> I bought tickets. Um, We've been practicing and stuff for that. Wait, is it virtual? <laughs> yeah, it's it's at the venue we were actually going to play at, so it's kind of convenient. Uh, but uh, it'll, so instead excited. of people being there, it'll be three people working and then us. Wow. I can't wait. I, I'm like, we're going to have monitors. I forgot what it's like to get mad about the monitor. <laughs> yeah. I need so three. Cool. We just, I just watched some friends play something, uh, the same kind of uh, show, and there's also a chat room. Oh, Which I think oh is God. sick because it's like Whoa. you're kind of at the concert. Like there's a big chat bar. And then I'm like thinking like I'll be on stage. And then like in real world, there's no chat bar. But just to the left will be this giant box of comments. You guys should have rigged it up so that huh. the chat bar was like a projection next to the stage in real life. So you could just turn <laughs> around and be like, Sarah, stop commenting. We get it. You like the band. <laughs> I honestly was thinking about asking the venue to do that. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't be able to pay attention to that though. I I'm can't really, like look yeah. at any, when I'm playing. I can't look at anyone in the eyes. I can't like I I have to look into the void or I forget what I'm doing and it's embarrassing. I like 
I have yeah. to be like in total void mode. <laughs> Did you have any plans to be touring or anything like that? Or are you, uh, do you guys get together and write music? Because you're both in Vancouver. We are both in Vancouver and we, um, we were going to tour about four months of this year. So we had to cancel quite a bit of stuff, which is unfortunate because we'd been off the road already for quite a while writing the book and we'd only done a little bit of touring. So it was definitely a big hit and feeling really sad for, you know, all the people we were going to hire and work with. And it's just always super stressful to think about that. But we haven't really gotten together to work on music. We're writing a graphic novel or a graphic novel series right now um, for teenagers. And Sarah had this idea to record one of our earlier records acoustic. So we're doing that and, and uh, we are working on new music. Eventually we'll record, but we don't, we don't physically write together ever. We Mm. don't like to be in the same space as other humans when we're writing, but Sarah has written a lot of really fucking cool stuff. She's making some very, very strange and very interesting music. And uh, that's Tegan's way of, being like, she's writing really, she, like, it's like when you're, when your kid just draws like a blob abstract, it's like, can you see that it's a bear? Can you see how it just, there's the outline of the bear? No, I'm not. I'm actually not saying that. I, I am actually saying Sarah's doing something extremely progressive and interesting and really unique. And I've sent songs now to a couple really respected friends who are in the music business and they're like, oh my God, and this song and that song and this one. And I'm it's like, yeah, it's all fucking Sarah songs. <laughs> no, they love it. She's writing a hit record. I don't know what to say. I'm just I fucking the dog hear. over here. I'm excited. I, I will say this, like I'm really, I'm like inspired and admiring of people right now who are putting out albums and who are playing live shows on the internet because I don't want to play a show until I can be in real life with people again. I think I just like, I just don't have the spark to perform. Yeah, but I think it's cool that you guys are playing in a venue with monitor. Like I like that. As a viewer, I'm excited. As a viewer, I'm excited. I am totally, I really did buy tickets to watch the show tomorrow. Um, (laughs) I love that. My my partner and I are going to watch the show on on our projector and it's going to be a day bag. Um, I'm so excited. (laughs) I know I've, I have, probably haven't said it in the last 40 minutes, but your record is my favorite record of whatever this year or just like I haven't loved a record like this in years. And I am Incredible. truly excited to um, watch you guys play it live. So don't fuck it up. And um, wait, yeah. what's your favorite song? We'll, di- we'll dedicate it to. Oh, d- oh, oh okay. stop I it. See. I'm blushing. Um, you know what? It changes. Like I, when I first got the record, like I do this thing where I like send a link to everyone and I'm like, listen to this song first. No, no, listen to this that song happened. first. That I can confirm that happened <laughs> to me. <laughs> like I just like, I kind of like liked it so much that I just, I'm not lying when I say that it's actually hard for me to even pick a favorite, but it cha- it changes for I me. I feel you. Um, I can't think of the last time like I loved a record lyrically so much. Like it's just so clever and I love singing along and it's been a long time since I memorized lyrics lyrics but like I I don't know I just like I'm soaking this no. up <laughs> great I love uh, it all I, I hear about it. is lyrical content it's really nice to hear that <laughs> one of the areas that Tegan and I have tension is that Tegan feels that I'm quite critical of her lyrics and I will it's, it's very new I mean we've been writing music together since 1995 1996 Whoa. and only in the last couple of years has she allowed me to like give her feedback like I can say like change this word or you if you, you can't ever write a song with the words run away in it ever again or like things like that like I'll just <laughs> like but do you guys do you guys is that a safe place for you guys to go creatively like are you allowed to give constructive feedback about lyrics 
We've only ever even had one conversation about, like, we had, like, one argument about lyrics, but otherwise, I, I mean, sometimes the, I don't think we even know what each other are saying. We barely we're, know what, what we're saying. We just start singing. <laughs> and then we don't, I mean, honestly, it's when we're in the studio and I'm like, oh, I need to harmonize. Like, what are you saying? And then he'll write it down. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I didn't, that's cool. <laughs> I'm like, we let wow. each other, we let each other alone. We let each other, like the one time we had an argument, it was because it was, it had to do with someone else outside of uh, the band that it might hurt their feelings. And so it was like, it was an important conversation and it, and it, I'm proud of us for being able, like, able to have those kind of talks. But yeah, other than that, if it's just like our personal choice, like we let each other ride. Yeah, and because we like we write all of our songs together, like at least like ninety five percent of them or whatever. So like, wow, it's like in the practice space with, you know, like our one shitty speaker, you know, that everything's getting pumped through. So it's like. You can't understand what we're saying anyways. Yeah. Like, uh, also, we do like placeholder words a lot. Like both of us will be like, I want it to time, time. And then we're like, oh, right later. And then we like fill in the blanks. Wow. <laughs> and I think I love both of that. us have like, like we have words that we always go to. Like you were just saying, if you can't write about running away, like I think we both have phrases. Like I don't, I can't think of what they are right now because it's so subconscious, I'm pretty sure. But I know Jason has some, like I'll hear you doing it. And I'm like, he's doing the thing. He's in the zone. <laughs> yeah. I believe that. I think all artists definitely have that because the yeah. producer who we did our last couple records with, Greg Kirsten, he doesn't really write lyrics, but he's, you know, really hard on us about melodies. And he'll come in and be like, okay, okay, that melody, like, that's fine, but it's got to be more like the house, the house, the house is on fire. He says it every single time. Like, we've known each other like five years. And I'm like, stop with the house is on fucking fire. Oh my God. <laughs> you just, you go in there and you're like, we got a new song. You just start singing that. It's called The House He's is like, on it's Fire. Perfect. <laughs> it's like the whole album is just this song <laughs> over and over yeah. again. <laughs> uh, you guys, this has been a total joy. I feel like um, we are, we should wrap it up. Oh yeah, we have to go to practice. Go to work. Yeah, I got to get ready for the big show for me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I love your band. I really wish you guys all the best. I hope that I actually get to see you kill it live in real life and I hope that we cross paths and get to hang out and do karaoke in the future hell yeah wait I have Likewise. one closing I want to say one thing to unshatter your um queer projection yeah. dreams like okay. I Jason and Eric are very straight but I am straight with like queer leanings oh great <laughs> I Emily just, I never oh, talk about just, it <laughs> Emily are you just, just saying, saying that no. oh so Emily no. You read you read a vibe correctly. I just I don't um, talk about it loudly, but no, I'm you don't have. The, and I and I'm in I the community. Okay, great. And I didn't I didn't mean to. I didn't want to like put you put you on the spot. And I think sometimes like I assign queerness as sort of like an umbrella term to like just things that feel like outside right. of the fucking box, like just things that are just like not your your traditional straightforward <laughs> normative thing. So like. I constantly will be like, that has queer vibe or that's queer energy. Like I sort of like really yeah. like, I have like adopted that word as like a way for myself to feel for like sure. that's in my vibe. So like, but um, yeah, it, that, yeah, that so word thanks. for me is weird. Like when I say something's weird, it's like the highest form of a compliment. Yeah, um, totally. But you yeah. know, some yeah. people might take that some other way, but no. I just wanted to, just in case you were <laughs> off. Oh, Emily, what a, what a, what a great way to end this. I really feel, I feel like my, my vibes were right and it just makes me love the band even more. So 
It was really lovely to talk to all of you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. It was really nice getting to meet you both. Bye. Tegan, Sarah, Emily, Jason, and all of your assorted pets, thank you so much for joining us here on the TalkHouse podcast. Listeners, if you enjoyed this show, definitely make sure to check out Jason in the episode he did while in the band Nehi in conversation with Spencer Tweedy. Check out all our socials at TalkHouse, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. There's a cute picture of this conversation that can be found there, all at TalkHouse. Dead were engineered by Jason, Tegan, Sarah, yourself, Josh, and I all recorded ourselves at our stay home studios. Our researcher for today's show is Reese Higgins, and our producer is the one and only Mark Yoshizumi. The TalkHouse podcast theme song was composed and performed by The Range. Make sure to subscribe to the show for upcoming episodes like Leo Kotke in conversation with Fish's Mike Gordon, Jeff Tweedy with Nick Offerman, and Jeff Tweedy again in conversation with Nora Jones from a live appearance at our beloved Murmur here in Brooklyn. So much Tweedy. I love it. Till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Josh Modell. Peace. And tour buses. Oh, Tegan, we lost you. I, I love know, that she's like I having like a full conversation though too. with herself. <laughs> I imagine this is what the womb was like. Like she just was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, I'm under mom's kidney. I can't hear a fucking thing that you're saying. <laughs>